Hey, I'm Ramya, and this is the Charlotte Storytellers Podcast. We're a storytelling group that meets every week in Charlotte, North Carolina, to play silly improv games and workshop stories on a theme. Today's story is brought to you by Andrea. Tell me a little bit about how you found Storytellers. Okay, well, I found it on meetup.com. Actually, it's kind of... where dreams come true. Right. It's actually a funny story because... um, like I used to work for Target and that was a crazy job where I was working over 60 hours a week oh, wow. and um, I had very little time for, you know, socializing. And so I got on meetup.com and I was doing the part where I thought it was just kind of asking you what you were interested in. And I didn't realize that I was actually signing up for groups. <laughs> So I like unintentionally signed up for like 60 different meetup groups. Wow. Like maybe it was the most, right? Like maybe like six or seven months ago when I was still at target and I bas- I think I went to like one meeting for something and then I just forgot about it. Cause I was still at target and then several months pass, I quit target and I'm just like, now I'm, I now have actually time to do things. I'm like, I'm going to get back up on meetup. Yeah. Well, my 60 groups had like declined to like 27. I don't know if that was because just like lack of attendance or what had (laughs) happened. Um, but I was still a part of Charlotte storytellers and I was like, this sounds interesting. And so I went and I ended up loving it. That's awesome. Have you always been a storyteller? Um, I think, well, when I was really young, I used to write stories all the time. So I was really into writing. And even in high school, I always took creative writing as an elective. Um, but I never realized that it was, you know, the public speaking aspect that I liked more about it, more so than writing. Really? Yeah. Writing can be really powerful, but I think telling a story in person for me can be even more powerful sometimes. I, um, you know, on that like Myers Briggs test that people take, Mm -hmm. I scored like 97% extrovert, which is like me too. Yeah. Okay. That's like apparently not normal though. So, (laughs) so I feel like that's why I love storytelling is because I literally feed off of the energy from others. Yeah. So that ability to kind of make people feel happy or laugh or, you know, feel a certain way or feel energized right by a story, that interaction. I really like that. Cool. Cool. I'm glad you found storyteller. Me too. What is your story today about? So this was of the theme sneaky. And I thought, well, who better than to talk about my abuela perla? Um, so for those of you that don't know, I think, um, I think it can be surprising to some people because I do not look Hispanic at all, but my mom is originally from Peru and basically all of her family is, um, is still there, including my abuela Perla. Yeah. And, um, so basically there are two things that you should know about her. One is that she's totally nuts. And two is that she doesn't care that she's totally nuts. And, um, basically some examples of this are when my brother was five years old, she was teaching him Spanish profanity. So she would actually encourage him to roll down the window of her car and yell out of the window door, Andate a la mierda, hijo de puta. And, um, which means translated, go to hell, you son of a whore. <laughs> so, um, actually one time, Abuela Perla lived with us one summer. And I would, we lived in a two story house and I would be upstairs and then I would hear her start to yell my name. 
Um, and her yells would begin like, Andrea. And then eventually they would be, they would go, Andrea. Until eventually it would be like, Andrea. And I would run downstairs because obviously this was a life or death situation. And she would be there sitting on the couch, just like, oh, can you please help me turn on the TV? <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. Um, also, when she lived with us, she brought she bought me this headband from Peru that had these um, traditional Peruvian woman, you know, and how they dress, these tiny little dolls of them glued onto the headband. I was 16 when she was living with us, and she wanted me to wear this headband all of the time. Not only was it too small, like cut it off my head circulation, you know, but, um, but it was also just embarrassing to wear like tiny Peruvian woman around your head all day. So (laughs) I, I really didn't want to wear it, but she was obsessed with it. And every single time uh, she didn't see me wearing it, she would get upset. So I started keeping it in my car. And whenever I would go into my house, I would, um, put on the headband so she would see me. And then once again, I would put it on when I was on my way out. And every single time she saw me, she would be like, Oh, thank God you look so beautiful with the headband. (laughs) Um, but the main story that I wanted to tell today was about the time when I was nine years old and she was taking me, I was actually visiting her in Peru and she was taking me to El Mercado Indio, which is, um, this open market in Lima, Peru. And it's got a bunch of Peruvian souvenirs. So on the ride there, she goes against traffic and makes an illegal U-turn and she's immediately pulled over by a cop, right? And before the cop even gets out of his car, she turns to me and she's like, echate, echate, lie down, lie down. So I, you know, lie down, do as I'm told. And she's like, look sad. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to lie down and look sad. Um, and the cop is approaching the car and I'm so impressed because before he even like gets to the window, she is like crying real tears. I mean, she's actually crying. I'm like, what is going on? She rolls down her window and the cop's like, ma'am, you do realize that you were in the wrong side of the road for about three minutes and you made an illegal U-turn. And she's like, oh, I know. It's just that these days I can't even think. My only grandchild, she's got seven. My only grandchild (laughs) is so sick. Oh, God, she's from the United States. And she came to Peru. And all she wanted was to go to El Mercado Indio, get a Peruvian souvenir before, you know. And I think me and the cop felt exactly the same. We were both horrified. Um (laughs) the cop because of the story and me because I thought that I might be dying. Um, and the cop just looks at her and he's like, you know, ma'am, I'm really sorry, but for something like this, I would usually have to take your license away. And right as he's speaking, she reaches her arm around her seat and just like pokes me in the stomach with her fingernail. And I'm like, ow. And she turns around she's like, Oh, my poor angel. Oh no. She is clearly so sick. Oh my gosh. And I am pretty sure the cop saw her poke me in the stomach. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure at this moment, he does not believe anything she said. He's just, you know, afraid at how low she's willing to go and just afraid of her in general. And he's just like, okay, you know what, ma'am, you know what? Just forget it. I'll, I'll let you get away with it this time. Just please be careful next time. 
And so he leaves and she's like, oh, thank Before he leaves, she's like, oh, thank you. Que Dios te bendiga. May God bless you. Right. <laughs> and so he leaves and I'm still in the back of the car like, okay, am I going to die? Still thinking about that. And so I sit up in my seat and I'm like, abuela, am I dying? She just turns around and looks at me. She starts laughing this like, evil laugh, you know, and right at that time, the cop starts driving by and she rolls down her window and puts, sticks her head out the window and screams, Andate la mierda, hijo de puta. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's such an amazing story. <laughs> also your grandma. Wow. Yeah. Abuela. What a character. Abuela. Mm. Amazing. I love how you um, start the story with this little, you know, anecdote about how your grandma teaches your brother how to say this phrase mm-hmm. that I'm not even going to try to say, <laughs> never having learned Spanish. And uh, you end with the same phrase and it, you know, um, I think in the meeting someone referred to it as bookending, it's right. like the most masterful form of bookending. Yes. I actually didn't know what that meant. And when they said that, it was like, very good job of bookending. And I was like... Excellent. <laughs> and then I had to I'm like, to Google that. I was like, I need to find out what that means, but good. That's hilarious. Yeah. You're such a masterful storyteller. I mean, your voice, like the voice you take on when you're doing your grandma too, really makes a character come alive. And like you, you have that delicate sensibility of being able to step into that voice without losing yourself. So we still like feel very much present. Like we're in the moment, like we know you're telling the story and yet like we feel like you're your abuela is like this live character who's like being painted in front of us. So that's interesting that you say that because my friends used to make fun of me and say that I only had two voices, my mom's voice, which I do all the time because I'm like, you know, she's <laughs> all like, right, we're going to have to hear a sample. Right. Okay. Well, you know, she, she would be like, hi, Andrea. Oh, come on. Help me sit the table. <laughs> that's her voice. Or my, my favorite example is, um, cause she used to go to the same gym that I did in high school and all my friends did. And she would like, and she's, she is so young. Like she looks so young, you know, she dresses like she's young. She's like way hotter than me. I mean, I've just gotten used to it at this point. And, um, she used to see my guy friends that were working out and, you know, she'd go up to them and be like, Oh, Jake, you're so sweaty. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she could rock it though. Mama knows best. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So people used to say that I just had her voice and um, my Russian voice, but it's not really Russian. I would say it's more like um, vampire. I was trying to be Russian, but it Hmm. sounds more like a Dracula. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you're just Russian into a vampire character. Yeah. So, well, it was actually because there was this um, club called Hosa in high school and they, you know, would try to get people to donate blood. And I always thought it would be awesome. I was in the club. I always thought it would be awesome if we, um, dressed up as vampires to get people to, to get blood. people to get, wouldn't yeah, that be perfect? Genius. And then we like, we stand around dressed as vampires. Like we want your blood. <laughs> and then when it was time to get someone for class, we would like go in with the cape and be like, it's time. <laughs> Come donate your blood. So that just sounds surprisingly Russian. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. So I'm I'm glad that people appreciate my voices because my friends used to make funny and say I only had like two. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. The other thing that's a really uh, 
like wonderful trend in your story is how you paint the the picture of emotional manipulation, which is sort of like mm-hmm. what your grandma is doing with you, like with the headband and the, mm-hmm. you know, like calling for you to get the TV remote and like asking you to act, you know, sickly and ill right. to get out of a, a ticket. But um, it has none of the sort of like resentment of like, usually when you feel emotionally manipulated by people, you're like, right. You, you have that sort of like, you know, how dare you sort of sentiment mm-hmm. your story is totally devoid of any of that. It's just purely light and like really paints a picture without any judgment, which is really wonderful. Right. Well, and I think it's, you know, I'm, she, this story makes her sound like an absolute lunatic. And I mean, she <laughs> is, but you know, she's got more to that. And we talked about it a little bit, um, after I told my story, uh, during the storytellers meeting, but you know, she, um, when she was 19 years old, she told her father that she wanted to be a doctor and go to medical school. And he told her, no, you need to get married. And, um, she was married at 19 to my grandfather who was 30 years old. And she had about 10 years of that where she had three daughters. And then, um, about the age of 40, my grandfather had his first stroke. He had seven strokes in his lifetime. Oh my God. Before passing away, um, more than 40 years later, there's first one. Um, and she really dedicated a lot of her life to taking care of him. Um, and you know, after, after a couple of his strokes, when he could no longer be that breadwinner of the family, um, she would have to go out and she actually started selling chickens and she would buy them, raise them and slaughter them and sell them on the streets. Um, takes, I think it takes a really brave and strong woman to do something like that. Um, so, you know, and she might, right. And And she's been through a lot and I think, you know, she might be crazy, but like arguably for good reason, right? you know, (laughs) and like our barometer for crazy is, you know, based in a sense of normal (laughs) that breaks down very easily. Right. So, um, yeah, I feel like that really comes across in your story. I think um as an audience member, like it's it's easy to sort of like just sort of listen to the story as as a depiction of this quote unquote crazy character and kind of like take it at face value. But it's not actually that easy because um the the way you sort of like suggest uh motive in your story makes you feel like this is a really three-dimensional character and like there's so much more to what's happening and we as audience members, you know, we're just not privy to it because it's sort of like mm-hmm. a family thing or it's, you know, that, that sort of, um, but we did talk at the meeting about, uh, going more into your grandma's psyche and sort of like exploring more of this depth of her character. Um, what are some of your thoughts and how you might integrate that into the story? If you were to take the story, you know, to that level. Yeah. Um, well, I think I don't, now that I know what bookending means, um, and that it's appreciated, <laughs> I don't want to lose that aspect of the story. Um, so I don't know if I want to add it in at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like ending on, you know, the, andate la mierda, hijo de puta. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> like if there's anyone bilingual listening to this, they're going to be like, dang, that is some nasty language. But, um, <laughs> I like ending on that. This is making me really want to learn Spanish. (laughs) Um, You should. Um, But yeah, so 
I don't, I want to keep ending on that. So I think maybe putting it in the beginning and I, we talked a lot in the meeting too, about how it could be somewhat of her rebellion against, you know, never being able to control her own life and always having to take care of others and basically dedicate her life to her family. Um, and it's so different than the life that we are taught to live now. I mean, how many times, you know, like in our generation, do you hear like, do it for yourself, you know, treat yourself, you know? Um, and I don't know. I just think that, um, I think it's easy for us to see, especially in this, you know, in the generation that we are, which puts so much more emphasis on, you know, taking care of ourselves and, and, um, putting ourselves first, why she might need to rebel against the lifestyle that she had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think in some ways you're right. Like there's much more of a emphasis on the self and like there's much more leeway, but in other ways, I feel like the same pressure is to do what is socially acceptable still exists, but they're sort of, um, hidden in term in like, it's, it's not as explicit as your dad telling you, you have to get married when you're 19 years old to someone who's 30. Um, but it's sort of more like to fit the mold of what society expects of you. Like you really need to play this part and you right. like do these certain things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think, um, your experience of, you know, being, uh, like growing up, knowing your grandma's story and like, um, being 19 and knowing that your grandma was married at 19 and like sort of like you having a totally different life at that age, um, has affected you. I actually didn't find out until she stayed with us. Um, the second time that she came to the United States and stayed with us over the summer, I think I was maybe, um, maybe 17. Um, and we went to Panera and actually it was hilarious because I told her the whole time in the line that she (laughs) should get the, um, cheddar broccoli soup. And she was like, no, no, I don't want that. No, no. And we get up there, you know, I have to translate the whole menu to her. (laughs) She picks like some salad. I order the cheddar broccoli soup. The food gets there. And she's just staring at my soup the whole time. She's like, oh, let me try a little bit of that. And so I give her, you know, I let her try some. She's like, oh, that's so good. You know, I just really don't like my salad. I'm like, all right, Abuela, do you want to switch? And she's like, oh, yeah, if you want to, okay. So she ended up eating my broccoli soup and I ended up eating her salad. But anyways, um, that's when I asked her, you know, um, what, yeah, I asked her for stories about my mom initially. And then I asked her about stories about her and uh, my grandfather and how they met. And that was when she started I don't know. She started kind of opening up and telling me about how, um, how she wanted, you know, how she only met him when she was 19. And at that point I asked her, well, did you ever want to go to college? And, you know, she started telling me about how she had always wanted to be a doctor. And so, yeah, I think, um, learning that when I did was probably the perfect time. I think before, um, I might not have been able to appreciate it as much because, you know, learning it when I was, close to her age, you know, 17. Um, I don't know. It really helped me relate to her because I knew that I did not want to get married in two years, you know? And I knew that I did not want to have, you know, three children in like 10 years after that. I mean, so, um, yeah, I think it really helped me understand her a lot. And she actually, 
Um, I didn't mention this, but she is actually the most liberal of like all of my family members in Peru. Really? Um, like of all the adults, uh, obviously my cousins are, you know, more <laughs> liberal than their parents. But, um, my, one of my, uh, guy cousins came out, um, a couple years ago and she was like, you know, basically what would translate to like, Oh, fuck it. You know, he can love who he <laughs> loves. Like who cares? And, um, it's her, not rebellion, right? Like it's, it's, you know, and her daughter, um, and her son-in-law were like horrified. It was that, you know, a big, it was a big deal. I mean, they, they're over it now. And, um, you know, they all have a really good relationship now, but when he first came out, she was, you know, one of the, the most supportive camp. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I think it's, um, really wonderful that you've had that opportunity to like bond with your grandmother in that way and, and find out these stories. Um, does it ever frustrate you when your grandma is sort of like being difficult when, uh, Oh yeah. You're like, I mean, I know you're going to eat my broccoli soup. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I mean, she really is crazy and she <laughs> wants to have it her way or the highway. Um, and she also just talks and talks and she really doesn't care if you listen or understand. Um, both my brother and I have, um, you know, significant others that don't speak Spanish and mm. she talks to them all the time in Spanish. <laughs> she swears that she has this great relationship with them. And I mean, they've never actually understood a word that she's ever said. So I mean, you know, but yeah, I'm not nearly, she actually lives with, um, with my cousins. They oh, all wow. live in the same. It's so my mom's oldest sister, her family live in one, in one apartment and then my, and then the second oldest lives in the apartment right underneath. And all of my cousins still live with their parents. Wow. And my grandmother also lives there with them. So I can't even compare, you know, my two summers of living with Abuela to right. their whole, you know, their entire, their entire lives. lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that though, she but was. But that's Abuela for you. <laughs> that's, yep. That she does what she wants. You can find the storytellers on Twitter or Instagram under at CLT Storytellers. That's it. Thanks for listening in today. Special thanks to Ben Rose for composing the sweet intro beats.